0: Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. Boston native Katie Lamarck grew up in a musical family and hit the ground running after graduating from high school in Andover, Massachusetts. A musical theater grad from Syracuse University, she has appeared on stage in national tours of Mamma Mia, Rent, and Rocky Horror Picture Show to name just a few, and now returns to Boston as Sherry Christian in the Broadway hit Rock of Ages, which opens next week at the Box Center Wang Theater from October 23rd to the 28th You can purchase tickets at boxcenter.org We met Katie across the street from the Wang at the Schubert Theater and had a great talk We even belted out a few tunes So here is our conversation with Katie Lamarck Recorded at the Schubert Theater in Boston, Massachusetts You talk with the students today, huh? I did, yeah Wait. I go? Wait. I, I I missed this part. What What happened?
1: So earlier today, I went. I went to Andover High
2: School.
0: Right. Because you're from Andover. Because
1: I'm from Andover. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it was this one of the first times you've done a teacher or a mentor moment in the, general or? yeah I
1: guess so the thing that's really cool about being in the theater is that even when you're young the teachers that you have that are your theater teachers that are your arts teachers they do always feel like friends more than that like traditional separation of teacher and student and of course in a totally appropriate way but it's nice because going back and revisiting these teachers, that helps me to become the artist that I am now which is I can't believe that I even get to say that you know the fact that it's all working
2: so what were you doing in high school
1: crying a lot I don't know
2: (laughs) did did, did you do the musical in high school
1: (laughs) oh yeah for sure yeah I did the drama program for all four years that I was there
2: okay yeah so this you started off as
0: an earlier age
1: oh yeah and my parents are also Boston area musicians yes
0: I heard I overheard that yeah so what do they play
1: My father's a piano player, but he's a composer, arranger. So he does a lot of the orchestra pits for the shows that come Ah, through here anyway. He works at ART for some of the out-of-town tryouts. What's his name? Uh, Tom Lamarck. Okay. Yep. And um, my mom is Dottie Lamarck. And growing up, so it's the two of them. It's the Tom Lamarck Orchestra was their band. And my mother was the singer. And it was a full band. Yeah. So growing up, I had both of my parents home with me. Me and my sister and both of my parents all day long and then they would put on a tuxedo and a ball gown and go to work <laughs> nights and weekends. Right. So when people ask me when I got into theater and music, I don't really have an answer because it, like I didn't think that anyone did anything else. Yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, ev- this is everyone's reality. Like yeah. for Christmas when I was like three or four years old, my mom got me solo in the spotlight Barbie and she's this like sexy vintage Barbie doll <laughs> that has like a gown on and gloves and a microphone and we have this hilarious video where I open it up and I say, look, look mom, it's work Barbie. Be. so it's like that's I right. i just thought that's what everyone did for right. work so right. my sister and I would sing on albums as kid singers um, starting young four or five years old um, I played the piano and you know did band did chorus the whole shebang
0: where'd you go after high school
1: I went to Syracuse. Went to
0: Syracuse University. Yeah. And what did you do there? Theater? I got my
1: degree in musical theater. Musical theater? Yeah.
0: I was just at Syracuse and my daughter's looking at colleges. Oh,
1: now. yeah? What'd she think?
0: Didn't speak to her. Yeah. That's what how is she's she, judging what? colleges, yeah. whether it speaks to her or not. And
1: that's as you should. And exactly. As I, you I, should. It's, I'm like, fine with it's that, yeah. like a wedding dress. Yeah. So I, I'm not married or anything, but right. I hear it's like a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When I was like, there my sophomore year, it snowed nonstop. Consecutively for four weeks. Ah. And it was the most nonstop precipitation that they had had since the 30s. Well,
0: you're from Boston. You're used to that.
1: Yeah. And actually, it's kind of fun. It was a little bit of a bonding experience yeah, you when get you're
0: snowed into your dorm. Yeah. So I was born in Buffalo.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. So you know.
2: And then I moved over to Rochester. Then I kept on going east. Yes. So I kind of get the, the I 90 thing over the years. So you did that in college. Mm-hmm. At some point in like Katie Lamarck's mind, was there a click? Of this is career This is me Even though you knew That the Barbie With the one hand glove Yeah Was work Barbie mm-hmm. Did you f- still think about Work Barbie In college Like Or was there something That said you know Wow I'm on stage here I want to do this For the rest of my life
1: Well I feel like Aside from the earlier points In my life Where I sort of pursued it and knew that's what I wanted. I think for me it was the first time I was in a show actually called The Cradle Will Rock, which has a great Mm. backstory, where my director gave me three characters to play. And it was the first time that I'd ever really had somebody trust that I was capable of doing more than just one thing. To bring it back to work, Barbie, that I'm not just a Barbie. That I could play characters that are different and characters that are funny, or their story is whether or not they're attractive. Which sometimes is a trap that women get stuck in, in this industry. In this industry, Yeah, which is that the way that you look is what you do, and that's it. That was the first time where I really felt like I was being seen in a new way. The other thing that was really cool about that experience is that it was the first time that I felt like what we were working on in the theater was really topical and Mm. really connected to what was happening in the world. The Cradle Will Rock is set in the 30s and it was written by Mark Blitzstein in the 30s and it's about workers unions but it's a pro workers union piece and it's explored in the the play and in the musical and the whole thing is set to music that's really interesting. I love the music anyway Mm. but when the show opened it was a government funded project because it was the theater arts legislation that was happening in the 30s and when the government found out that it was a pro-union piece, they shut it down. Hmm. And so they put a bolt on the theater, and it was the opening night of their show, and they showed up, and they couldn't perform it. So the cast got together, and as a loophole, they had said that, oh, the, the theater won't allow this, but the musicians' union would. So they took the show to a theater down the street, and Mark Blitzstein got on the stage and played the score on the piano, and the oh. actors sat in the house, and they nice. performed the show from the house as an exercise of free speech.
0: Very good. So they
1: still got to put on their show. I like it. Isn't that cool? It is cool. And so then at the same time that was happening, the 99% movement was going on in New York. Like the same day that we opened all of the <clears throat> press Of that started to come out in the media and we really felt like it was the first time where what we were doing was directly connected to what was happening in the world.
2: Really that's interesting. Isn't that cool? Uh, You know I don't have to tell you you mentioned being a woman in this industry Mm -hmm. this is the era of Me Too in Hollywood going down the rabbit hole of Harvey and other you know all the all the crap that's happened around Mm -hmm. this industry. When you look at the 10 year anniversary of Rock of Ages is there a change? Are we looking at it in a different lens?
0: What are some thoughts on
2: that?
1: The thing that first off is a trickle-down effect is that our director and choreographer are women, which is unexpected for a musical like this, where it's very easy to treat the women of the cast as scenery where if you want to bring your audience into this fantasized version of how they remember the 80s to be, it's very easy to say we have an opening number, let's get the girls in their underwear and put them on the polls and then we have an audience.
2: Girls, 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 girls. Kripp, girls. Right. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah.
1: And so that's sort of the idea of it from 10 years ago. And even in the um, old recorded curtain speech, it's David Coverdale and he comes on and he says the taking of photographs is strictly prohibited unless you have a amazing boobs
0: right Right. first thing he says in the very beginning it's the first
1: thing he says and of course 10 years ago that maybe gets a chuckle that's not funny anymore I can't
2: believe that he said that
0: well it's part it's written in the script it's in the script if actually if you go to if you listen to it, it's the very first cut on the album
2: Mm -hmm. you can't even do that satirically anymore like that doesn't even make sense it was standard procedure in the 80s yeah okay but what about in 10 years ago
1: 10 years ago, I'll tell you, maybe even though that was 10 years ago for me and I was a 10 years younger female, part of what we're taught as women, especially in this industry, is that when those jokes happen, you laugh or you seem like you don't have a sense of humor. So now we live in a world where I don't have to laugh anymore. I'm allowed to say that that's not right or I'm allowed to say that that doesn't feel good, especially when you have mostly women as your theater audience. Women make up like 65, 70 percent of theater going paying audience members. Mm why would you make a boobs joke right at the top of the show? You lose all of them instantly. So we went back to our book writer and he agreed and he changed it.
0: What did he change it to?
1: Now it's, there's no taking of videos or pictures unless you're extremely hot. Because then it's not about man or woman and it's not about boobs. It's just about being hot and Hmm. that could be anybody and then also not using your women as scenery so the only times that you're seeing us in our underwear dancing on poles is when we work at the strip club otherwise how does that service your story why are we opening on women dancing on poles unless they're just functioning as scenery
0: you know it's funny have you seen the movie the decline of western civilization part two yes have you seen it it's yeah. unbelievable. It's amazing. It's a documentary where they interview all the all the people from um, Cinderella and Poison, oh. but it's just, it's a documentary and it's oh. almost farcical how stereotypical it is.
1: One of the things that I think about a lot. So when I sat down with the director for the first time, the character that I'm playing, um, when you look at her behavior across the board seems inconsistent. There are sometimes where she seems really intelligent and really savvy and manipulative, and there are other times where she seems like she's totally naive and she's got no idea what's going on. We struggled with that for a couple of days. We would sit together and say, well, how do we solve this? And then I thought about, there's an amazing interview that Amy Poehler does where she talks about the pressure for women to be all things to all people. Instead of trying to solve it and forcing her into this idea that women's behavior must be consistent, I realized like the number of times a day that my behavior changes depending on who I'm speaking to or what I need or how I can function in a certain environment, why do we need to solve it and make it consistent when the actual interesting thing about this person is that her behavior changes? Mm. In the 10 years ago version, and you can even hear it on the recording, the reason why she gets a job at the bourbon room is because she bends over to pick up a penny off the ground and the men look up her skirt and then they decide to hire her. And then in our version of it, I make the choice to pretend there's a penny on the ground so that instead of it being an accident, even though it's the same action, if it's just through that different lens of awareness or not, instead of it being this creepy moment where it's guys taking advantage of someone who doesn't know what's going on it's a woman saying what do I need to do to get ahead in this moment I'm going to choose to do it that's
0: very good because because you got to mm. still stay with the times that this happens. absolutely right? yeah but you can make it less but less insulting to the sensibilities of right today. and it's yeah, sort of one of those it's like it's I
1: just heard the other day one of my favorite things and it was hard to explain is someone asked me like oh you know what's the difference between a girl wearing a bikini and wearing her underwear it's consent. That's the only difference.
0: For this anniversary tour, was there a real overlook of the entire script from both the male and female characters, evaluating and seeing if that would fit with the times that that this is supposed to take place in, but also reflecting norms of today?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think we as a group... Just because of the age of the actors, I mean, we are really directly involved in a lot of the changes that are happening. We're seeing it firsthand and especially because we're living in Manhattan where there's a, a such a microcosm where you really experience it in an intense way every day that we walk down the street it's looked at more for our female characters because that's where you have a tendency to not give it the attention it needs but if that's what you're doing for your women then you have to do it for your men too so how do we view this glam rocker Stacey Jacks that comes in and sweeps this girl off of her feet is he silly or is he actually sexy those things are being looked at too because the way that the men are treating these women when they are in a position of power becomes something different
0: yeah they can be a bad guy yeah rather than just oh he's a kind of a jerk but yeah. I kind of like him because he's the hero
1: but the thing that's cool about Rock of Ages is that it comments on itself yeah. so we can still have those elements of that this is about the 1980s this is about a sensibility that doesn't exist anymore and that we can still have fun with that we can still look at it and say oh isn't that so funny like that's what it was all those years yeah. ago well yeah
0: because you you do talk to the audience right it um, is, you break that, that fourth wall don't oh you? yeah
1: because um, and it was really cool we learned about that in our rehearsals that the reason why Lonnie is a narrator is because when the book writer was trying to explain to the team how he wanted the show to go, it was hard for him to explain it without performing it all himself. And so they said, well, this is a character. What you're doing right now needs to be part of the experience, Ah. that we're getting a commentary at the same time. So John Michael Breen, who is playing Lonnie, who's actually from Chelmsford, so we got another local hometown here, a lot of Bostonians. He's doing a lot of direct address in the same way that we understand the convention to be, but it's fun because he also has a little bit more gender fluidity. So we are seeing that instead of him in the opening number saying, we're going back to a sexier time, it's the Reagan era. And instead of seeing a beautiful woman walk across the stage by herself, we see a couple making out. It's just a thing that is so, that's so ever mm-hmm. so slightly different, but that it's still about that sexually charged, larger than life experience of mm-hmm. the 80s.
0: Are you an 80s music fan? Have you always Big been? time. Yeah. yeah. yeah, But there are different 80s music fans. There's this hairband music, right? Yeah. And then there's like, you know, you could be into, the Cure or you could right. be into like I would say the them, Smiths or something. Right.
1: My tastes are pretty broad. I really do love music. Music first for me. Honestly, my dream, I love being an actor, but if I could tour as a as a backup singer with a band, um, that would be ultimate dream for and me. And
2: what about the energy of this genre of music mm-hmm. is just, you know, it takes us back because we're in that age group, Chuck and I, where we we're in high school. Right. High school is where those classic songs mm-hmm. are just imprinting into your brain. Mm-hmm. When did you first discover hearing this? music before the tour.
1: I really love this era of music because my parents are musicians, but they Mm. are not 80s rock musicians. Their musicality leans more towards 70s and prior. They're not playing glam rock tunes when they're playing the Senator's inaugural ball you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: not necessarily this 80s rock music is stuff that i discovered on my own yeah. without help from anybody else so even it is though, kind of like in a
2: bubble isn't it it really is it, and
1: so i will say that i am kind of a prog rock i love yes that was the first thing that i felt like i discovered on my own that i really had a visceral response to huh. so even though i wasn't you like around the keyboard-based
0: stuff oh yeah, yeah. What, uh, who else
1: um, I love Yes, I love, Steely Dan is my favorite band. Oh, uh, me too. Even a though they, Dan yeah, band. big time. So even though that's also reaches prior to the yeah, 80s, a lot yeah. of that stuff too. Yeah. I really do love Sticks, and we do have Sticks in the show, but I think yep. there's a lot of fun like funk element to that as well.
0: You do have a kind of a mix in there. You have Ari Speedwagon in it, mm-hmm. but you also have Twisted Sister. So those are two very different, mm-hmm. I put I put Ari Speedwagon in a whole different genre. Yeah. But um, yeah. but it is a little bit a little bit of a mix in there. Mm-hmm. Like Sister yeah. Christian by um it's help me out. Night, Night Ranger. Ranger. Night Ranger. I don't put them into the Twisted Sister. Yeah, group not at either. all. No, they're twisted, But they're around the same time. a little heavier.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, they have their own stamps, their own personality. Totally. What are you most excited about this show?
1: I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, but but just because I like what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. it's cool that we can exist in this 80s glam rock world, but that we're still telling a story that needs to have ups and downs and different emotional arcs. And sometimes, especially with 80s glam rock music and especially with where the music sits in your voice and just the massive expansiveness of it, it's easy to always be at an emotional 10. And so the arrangements are done in a smart way and the order of the songs, because you you can still have this larger than life feel, but you can have different emotional peaks and valleys as well, which is attributed to a talented musical team. We have a kick-ass band. We had our first preview two nights ago and they got the biggest applause out of anyone, and rightfully so. Mm. They're the most important part about this show. We feature them really prominently. I think that's what I'm most excited by is that there's a lot that you can accomplish even if you just select this one era of music it's also the most fun music ever to sing. Like, if I ever am putting out my own material, which I hope to someday, mm-hmm. it's a thing that doesn't really exist in the music industry anymore, no. is this idea that something can be larger than life and also truthful. I'm excited to see stuff like that come back, and I think that people might be inspired when they get to hear this stuff again. It's the
0: final countdown.
2: Any of those bands, and Poison, and Night Ranger, and Twisted Sister, all these guys and gals, mostly guys, have they seen the show? Did they? I
1: believe they that most of them have seen the original, and they have a lot of photographic evidence of it too. Of like every time they come to the show. Oh, the one in New York. Yeah, yeah, the New York production. So, I mean, we just did our first performance two nights ago for an audience. Where Elmira, New York.
2: Yeah, that was the test run.
1: We're in previews, which, I mean, your average audience member doesn't know the difference between an opening and a preview, and that's fine because there really shouldn't be that much of a difference. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the show isn't frozen yet. We're still able to make changes, and we rehearse during the day and then perform it at night and see how it goes. But then our official opening is in Boston.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Is this your first big show like this?
1: Uh, no, I was actually here two years ago. I did the 20th anniversary of Rent. Of Rent. Yeah. Ah. And I played Maureen. We were over at the Opera House for that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. It was another incredible experience for a totally different reason. But so I, this
2: is October 22nd. Right yes. behind yes. you is going to be a quick opening, run. It's quick. Opening night yeah. at... The Wang Center, which is across right across the street, mm-hmm. part of the Box Center. Yep. Five nights, right? Mm-hmm. So how, if you wanted to get tickets to
0: this, how do you get tickets?
1: This one is... Boxcenter.org. Oh, directly to the Box Center, yeah.
2: Boxcenter.org. Can you sing that to us in an 80s voice?
1: <laughs> Boxcenter.org.
2: Okay, turn down the gain a little bit. That was awesome. Yeah. You want
1: it to be louder than yeah, that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do boxcenter.org where you get... I'm going to get my tickets now <laughs> All right, here we go. On o- for October 22nd. It's going to be loud. Are you ready?
0: You go for it. <laughs> are you serious? That is a that is a vintage oh, no. poster, man. What's, what's the matter? That's wrong? Oh, it's 20, that's wrong? I guess. Yeah. Are you just coming to the conversation? Well, I'm trying to get levels here. Yeah, yeah, so here I can't hear right. behind me without a microphone. Are we ready for it
1: then? go for it so, let's do it sung through boxcenter.org i'm gonna get my tickets go for okay. it okay boxcenter.org i'm gonna get my tickets
0: <laughs> yes yeah, yeah baby Woo. all right all ron right. that was so much better than normally yours. they yep. tell us
1: not to sing but i was really feeling
0: <laughs>
2: boxcenter.org is could be a new hit
1: yeah boxcenter.org yeah <laughs> I I we'll talk to I, did, I, like, about I would it. like ten percent of that. That should be please. like whatever an, you make off of that. That
0: should be that. in a Bach Honda car commercial too.
1: Oh yeah. That's oh yeah, <laughs> Honda commercials. Uh,
0: who were you emulating there?
2: Like was there a few different people you were thinking of? Yeah. Or, For that or, just, just, a, or were you question. just Katie Lamarck
0: full on?
1: That's mostly how I sound during this show. Vixen. But,
0: was that enough of Vixen? You sure, Vixen let's is? call
1: that Vixen. You know who I think is actually crushing it right now and who I actually steal a lot of technique from is Lady Gaga.
0: Oh, well she's oh, amazing. She's
1: amazing. And her vocal technique, in order to achieve a gristly sound that's still healthy, she's really smart about that.
2: She's going in another direction, too with the new movie, The Star is Born. Have you seen it yet? I need to.
1: I'm very inspired by who she is as an artist.
2: I heard the music, the movie was incredible. It's
1: really good. And I also love the way that they handled the music and it it very closely follows Lady Gaga's career trajectory, Mm. which instead of it being a biopic about Lady Gaga, it's still a really good story that stands on its own very well.
0: So, Ron, I don't know if you know this, but um, I used I to be—I exactly. used to be an actor. I know. So I, I went to acting school in New York, and I was, so I was in it. Now. What NYU? American Academy of Dramatic Arts, but they don't have musical theater there. Oh, it's, it's that's rea- right. It's really just Thank theater. It's God. Really just the theater. Yeah. What do you mean, musical theater in you? Well, I mean, you know, when and when I'm in the equation, yes, I can understand that. Yeah. Expletive, but. But that said, I was in New York when Rent was in its heyday. That was when oh, yeah. it when it had first started, and it was like, it was, and it was huge. Yeah. But you, you live show. in New York now. Yeah. Did you ever go get to go up and um, what's that? On Bryant Park, they had the musicals go up there and, and uh, Oh yeah musicals, and, the yeah, musicals in
1: the park. Your musicals
0: in the park. Have you done that?
1: I haven't done it. No, but I've I've attended.
0: They should do a Rock of Ages there. Yeah. Or oh, in the park? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or a central park? Yeah. Well, they just go up like at lunchtime and they sing like 10 songs or something Yeah, like yeah that. it's
1: good. It's good advertising yeah. for the shows and yeah. it gets a different crowd to be coming in and seeing stuff, because it's more of a businessy community around Bryant Park. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love living in New York. I live um, on the street where Alexander Hamilton's house is preserved. Ah. So I am live in Harlem in really? a historical district, so they've also preserved a lot of churches in my neighborhood, and the streets are laid out differently so that they're not disrupting any of that. So mm-hmm. I live on this great little secret private street called Hamilton Terrace, and you know, it's like a three-block-long street. And because they can close it, they do a ton of production. So SNL shoots on our street a oh, lot really? if they have stuff going on. And they did The Night Of shot on our street and basically the entire last season of Boardwalk Empire. So we'd walk out and there'd be all vintage cars and pinstripes and flappers all over the street. And it was amazing.
0: <laughs> are you doing all the auditions, of the TV shows in New York? Or are you specifically just going for certain things? Right I
1: audition for TV sometimes. But, I mean, if you look at my resume, why would a TV producer ever hire me because I'm a stage actor I did Mr. Robot so I was right. I had a small role on Mr. Robot and I'm pretty sure that I booked it by mistake because something went wrong during my audition where the reader and I both misunderstood what was happening in the scene so I ended mm. up just saying the lines with no acting whatsoever in my mind and, and then like I got robot? the part Appar- mm. well apparently it was robotic <laughs> enough where they were like perfect no emotion at all <laughs> and because you know, of course like, <laughs> my natural energy is at 10 so people are like oh don't worry just be natural just be yourself and it's like that's that's already Mm. too much so I had an audition a couple of weeks ago I was really focusing on like okay bring it down like be a natural energy make it so that a camera could be right in your face and keep everything subtle and i was really happy with the audition i gave but then as soon as it was done she stood up and said oh thank you so much for coming in and i went oh thank you oh my god (laughs) and i like yelled in her face because i had been saving it the whole time and then i think i blew it but you know Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but this i get to be as loud as i freaking want to be so
2: yeah tell us about this show rock of ages tour so You're coming back to the hometown you got five days here where do you go next and how long does it last is what's the big picture
1: so big picture is that we're playing until June of next year we're starting out mostly in the Northeast finishing our previews in Maine Hmm. and in Pennsylvania for a couple more audiences then we'll be here in Boston and then we go to Atlantic City after which is going to be really exciting From there, we do Florida and then Texas. We get to come home for Christmas, which will be nice. And then it's all major U.S. cities and all major cities in Canada as well, up until June of next year.
0: And each is like a five-day stint? Yeah, some shorter. Some are shorter?
1: Some shorter. Um, I think because the show is larger than life, it really doesn't fit in a small venue. Mm. So most of the venues we're playing, we might just be there for one or two nights, but a lot of people are coming to see it. So yeah. you
2: graced us with your voice for boxcenter.org, uh-huh. which is the big 80s hit. Mm-hmm. People may ask you this a lot, but preserving the voice, thinking about an understudy, like what, what's the system if you knock on wood, your oh, vocal cords uh, just give up. Oh out, yeah,
1: right? we're, I mean, we're, my understudies will go on. I mean, like we're doing is this for like, nine months. There's no way that I would do every performance for nine months. But the girls who understudy me are awesome. They're my girls. I mean, yeah, they're What are their friends. names? It's Brenna Wall okay. and Emily Croft.
0: Are we running out of time? Maybe Okay um, Anything else Before we finally Miss Lamarck uh After you're After you're done With The Rock of Ages mm-hmm. What's next for you
1: I have no idea And that's okay That's okay Yeah That's actor life You know Yeah it is You never know What's gonna happen next But you gotta be Alright with it Go in the
0: studio Cut an album
1: I'm hoping that I'm going to do that soon. I feel like that's going to be the next step is getting my own material out there, even if it is covers, even if it is an album of things that other people have written. I'm, I'm excited to do that and yeah. put together a little project. That'd be great. Yeah, I got the resources, so I'm ready. Cool. Yeah.
0: Have a great show this and uh, the 23rd to the
1: 28th. 23rd is? through the 28th. There
0: absolutely.
2: Rock of
0: ages. Yeah. Don't do this. Boxing. Actually, that song is not in the album. Out- Isn't that, that not so funny? Ron, it's not, on, that's no. in the nope. not in there. The Def Leppard song? It's not in there, unfortunately. Yeah. Well,
2: can, we, can we sing one
0: thing together? Sure. Okay. Uh, Here we go. You know, Ron did not go to singing Come to school. Come on, feel the noise? No. Sure. What
1: well, oh, you, you
2: name it.
0: Uh, from the show. This yeah. Do some Mario Speedwagon. Sister Christian,
2: Mario Speedwagon. What do you do from Mario Speedwagon? Well, I song. can't fight this yes. feeling anymore. But I
1: don't sing that one personally. Okay. It's, it's uh, what you do, do you guys. What do
2: you sing? I'll sing back up.
1: Let's do Come on, feel the noise.
2: Okay. I'll do the Wild Wild Wilds.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you take the upper harmony on the melody. Okay. All right. All right. Go. Come on, feel the noise. Girls, rock your voice. We'll get wild, wild, wild. Wild, (laughs) Wow.
0: The first. That was awesome. Uh, Thank Thank you. you. We would like to thank Katie for putting up with Ron singing and taking the time to sit with us. You can find out more about Katie at katielamark.com. And don't miss the Boston tour of Rock of Ages. Get your tickets at boxcenter.org, now running October 23rd to the 28th. Go to AboveTheBasement.com. You can join us on Patreon, sign up for our newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. On behalf of Ronnie and myself, thanks for listening. Tell your friends and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. How would you like to join us in creating great conversations that inspire and connect? Patreon is a membership platform that provides a way for creators like us to build relationships and provide exclusive experiences to subscribers or patrons. We've been self-financed since we got off the ground in June of 2016. But in order to continue to fully invest all we can in each episode, we need your patronage. For more information, please go to patreon.com forward slash above the basement.